The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. You know, we can walk away from a conference, and I know I have, and say, man, that was awesome. But the question is, okay, what are you going to do with it? You know, we could say amen and slap each other on the back, but if, our, if, if it doesn't change the way we live, then we honestly, then we've wasted our time. And, um, and there's no way you're going to take, you know, if you take everything that we've said, you know, the 100 principles or whatever that number is, you're not going to be able to implement all of them, okay? Just take one. And, 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 and until that becomes a part of you, don't try to add anything else yet. And, you know, it's, it's precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. And, and as you do that, if you keep on having that commitment to growth, um, after a while you become like, wow, I've grown a lot. And so I hope it will, we'll share something even this hour uh, that will be a help and encouragement to you. Uh, I am time conscious, and I'll try to uh, be done by 1.30, and, um, and I won't make it, okay? Uh, but we'll, we'll get done by, uh, by I know you, some of you are traveling, so we'll get you out of here. Uh, so that you could be uh, ready for your bus routes tomorrow morning. Amen? But uh, look at verse number 1, chapter 4, and verse number 1, where the Bible says, Let a man so count of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Okay? Really, what this is referring to is the gospel. Uh, we need to be good stewards of the mysteries of God. And, of course, at this time, the mystery was that the gospel wasn't just for the Jewish people, but it was for everybody. It was for the world, even Gentiles. And, and then verse 2, it says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Here it is. There's a lot of things that we may not be able to do. I was talking to this young couple up here and asked him, you know, how long have they been married and what do they do? And he says he, part of what he does is he leads the music. And I, and I told him, I said, well, that's one part they'll never ask me to do at Lancaster. I have nothing to do with their music ministry. Um, but you want to know something? I shouldn't focus on that because there's other things I can do. And let me say this. What you can do, whatever that is, let me challenge you, be faithful in that area. Be faithful. Um, and so we're going to talk about this being a responsible soul winner. And the pastor kind of already touched on this regarding what we refer to as a sweetheart list, Okay. Um, and we're going to talk about that in this first point right here. Uh, but I think if you take that one thought, what we're going to talk about the sweetheart list, I, believe me, it could change um, your effectiveness, your fruitfulness in reaching people with the gospel. Okay? So first principle, we're going to share four principles. First of all is ownership. Ownership. Okay? Now there's a difference between ownership and renting. If you're an owner, you take a sense of pride. Uh, there's a sense of you know, responsibility. You own that. It's yours. All right? How many of you have ever gone on vacation and you rented a vehicle? All right? Now, when, when you're, are you worried about, you know, with the kids in the car, and, oh, Dad, I spilled the Coke in the back seat. You, you don't get all upset about it. Why? Because you're renting. It's not your vehicle. You don't have to worry about it. It's not yours. You're going you're gonna to turn it in and say, here, it hurts, here's your vehicle back. 
But when you get a brand new car, you know, the first several months, no food in the car. No Starbucks in the car. Now, I know that's some holy ground right there. But no, there's nothing. You don't, you don't, you're lucky you breathe in the car. All right? No food, no drinks, nothing. Then about after about that, you know, that four-month time frame where that new car smells kind of gone, then you kind of, you know, you, you bring a Coke in or a coffee in, and you, and you tell your wife, now, don't spill. As you know, there's no spills in the car. Don't be the first one. And, and, and then, then you let the kids take the, you know, drinks in. And then after a while, what happens? You go through a drive-thru, and you get the food, and you throw the food at the kids, and they're like animals. They eat it all up. It kind of wears off, doesn't it? Now, here it is. You'll look at people that God brings across your path two ways. You'll view people as an owner or a renter. An owner will say, I'm going to own this family. An owner will say, I'm going to own this bus kid. An owner will say, I'm going to own that teenager. And I'm going to reach out to that teenager. I'm going to reach out to that family. I'm going to pray for that family. I'm going to write them a note. I'm going to call them. I'm going to visit them. I'm going to invite them into my home. I'm going to take them out to lunch. You're owning it. A renter, oh, they're at church today. Hey, good to see you again. Glad you made it. But there's no contact. There's no activity on your part reaching back to them and helping them to make those steps in their spiritual journey. So let me give you a couple thoughts. Number one, regarding ownership. Own every call that has been assigned to you. Okay, what do we mean by that? Well, how many Sunday school teachers we have in here? You have Sunday school teachers? Okay, all right. You, you have a child uh, come to your class? Guess what? You're the owner of it. I'm not sure what kind of structure you have. You might have a, a Sunday school superintendent. I don't know if you do or not. Let's just say you do, okay? You go to that superintendent and say, uh, Brother so-and-so, uh, little Johnny came to my fourth grade boys class. I want you to know I will visit them this week. You're just taking ownership. You, you assume responsibility for that person. Okay? Letter B, receive the responsibility that comes along with ownership. Okay? Number, letter C, owners know the spiritual condition of their sheep. Okay? If you own a car, you know when it needs the oil change. Right? You're the owner of it. You, you're mindful of that. You know when you need to rotate your tires. You're mindful of that. You know when the transmission oil needs to be replaced. You're mindful of that. Why? Because you're an owner. You put a lot of investment into that. Same thing with people. When you own it, you know where they're at spiritually. Proverbs 27, 23 says this, Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks, and look well to thy herds. Listen, now I understand that the pastor for, for this church, Open Door Baptist Church, I know that the under-shepherd of this church is Pastor Tice. Okay? And it's his responsibility to know the state of the flock. But listen, if, you're, if you work with the youth, 
Don't you think that you ought to know the, the heartbeat of those teenagers at least to the point where the pastor does? I would think so. Because that's your area of ministry. That's where you're serving. I mean, it would be a sad thing for the pastor to come up to one of the youth workers and say, hey, man, I haven't seen Joe in, in class yet. I haven't seen him in church lately. Joe, Joe. Joe who, pastor? Joe Miller. Oh, you're right, I haven't either. Ooh, that's not a good sign. There's a renter. He holds a position, but he's not receiving the responsibility that comes along with that position. There's ownership. Remember, there's responsibilities that come along with ownership. Okay, I, I love what, what, uh, what the Bible says in, in John chapter 21, verse 15, when Jesus is talking to Peter. Um, you know, Jesus knew, okay, where Peter was at. Now, we know this. Jesus knew, knows everything about us, too. But you want to say, when you, when, you, when you take ownership and when you begin praying for somebody, it's amazing how the Spirit of God will work in your heart to meet a need in someone else's life. And that's just the Lord. So we need ownership. We need to own those contacts, those people that come along into our lives. We refer to it as like a divine appointment that God has arranged for us to meet. And listen, to put them on your list, all you got to do is get some basic information, get their name, and get contact information. Maybe, maybe it might be just a cell number. Maybe it's an address. But you want something where you can reach back to them. Okay, so when you have that connection, right, you, you, remember we talked about you know, cultivating, there's a sense of a friendship that has been established. You don't ask somebody, if you don't have a relationship with them, you don't ask them for their address. You don't ask a, a strange you know, person you've never really talked to, hey, can I have your cell number? They're going to think you're weird. But after you talk to them about sports and, you know, the Yankees and this and that and all that, you know, there's a, hey, hey man, I'd like to give you a call sometime and encourage you to come to church and kind of remind you, hey, can I give you maybe just your cell number? Oh, yeah, sure, here it is. You know why? Because you made a connection. And, and that's how you begin that follow-up. Hey, do, you, do you realize how powerful this is? We'll go back to Starbucks, huh? How many, how many of you don't like Starbucks? Don't raise your hand because you're not saved. Okay. All right. Man, I thought you were saved. You were, you were saying, man, this has been so helpful. I knew you still had to grow and see more light. Okay. Be healed. Okay. All right. So you go to Starbucks today and you, and you, and you start talking to somebody. And uh, listen, you, you develop a relationship there. You give them a track and find the church and you start talking a little bit more, and, and, and you get that and say, hey, you know what? I want to pray for you. I want to I pray for you and your family. Can I have your name again? And you get, you get their name. Hey, when I have asked, I want to pray for you, I have never. That's a big word. I have never had someone tell me, I don't want to give my name to you. Never. Now, I've asked them for their cell number or their address, and sometimes, well, I said, that's okay. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I gave them mine. I said, listen, you got mine now. 
I'm going to pray for you, like I said. If you have a need, you call, you text me. I want you to. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But listen, I have never had someone tell me, no, I don't want to give you my name. I don't, I don't need your prayers. You know why? Because people need help. They need help. And boy, when you say that you'll pray for them, it's like, even if they're non-religious, it impacts them. Because you know what you're saying? I care about you. Ownership. Number two is this, partnership. Ask others to partner with you to reach people. Uh, and, and the way I do it, okay, is, is my soul winning partners. Um, the, 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 see, I, can, I, I can't, my wife and I, we, we, we talk about this. We can't be their only friends. We, we can't, you know, we want to be everybody's friends, but, but I, 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 need, I need you and your wife to, to be their friend. Right? Man, you're my soul winning partner. We met them. We just led them to Christ. Now, when, when you guys come to the home builders class on Sunday, Please sit with them. You know, be, become their friends. And listen, we'll, we'll have you guys over with them to our house for lunch. But listen, I'm going to need your help. Okay? And, and, and I'm challenging Mike's. Listen, they're not staff members. They're just lay people like a lot of you. And, and, but they, they say, you know what? We want God to use us too. And, and so, boy, I, you know, I, I kind of set the table up for them and kind of have them over where they meet and greet and, and kind of get through that little bit awkward stage, let's say. Man, once they leave my house, it's, man, I need, I need this man to help me to reach this family. And, um, and so um, I, I'm thinking of so many couples right now that we've reached, just, that God has blessed um, our outreach this, just this year so far um, in, in an incredible way, and I'm so thankful for it. But I realize, listen, I have a great responsibility to make sure that those people get dialed in and get connected to the church body life. So they feel a part of the church. And boy, we, we saw who's going to be their friend. I, I think of right now, I think of Ken and Karen Brockton. Uh, he's, he's an engineer, smart. I mean, the way he thinks is just way beyond me. Um, he's working on this product that the, the Virgin um, Airlines is sending this, you know, the shuttle up to outer space, and you get to buy a seat for this, you know, ride, $250,000 for just a two-hour ride. And there's a backlog on people wanting to do that. And uh, he is the head engineer on this. And just a smart man. But, but you know what? He has a heart, him and his wife, Karen. They want to grow. We reach them. But you know what? I, we say, who's going to connect with them? We're trying different people, and we're saying, man, I don't know if those connections are taking place. Because we don't want them to, we don't want them to feel or, or even sense that they can't be a part of the church. Does that make sense? All right, so, man, it's so important that you get other people to help you. They, they know that we love them. They know that, you know, boy, call Brother First on this first man, they'd be right here. But I want them to know that there's others just like us that would be right there for them too. Um, and, that, and that's a process, so you've got to work together on this. Uh, letter B, I introduce your prospect to others within you know, I'm using the, the framework as a, an adult class. Um, and what I try to do is find connecting points. Like, I have other engineers in my class, so I try to get, you know, Ken connected with other engineers. Why? Because there's a connection there. If I, if I reach a police officer, 
I, I got four or five guys. I know I'm going to get them connected with other police officers. I know I am. It, it's just a common, you know, connected point connection there. Uh, if it's a nurse or somebody in the medical field, I, I know those areas, teachers. I, I know where I'm going to get them connected. And, and, and it's important. So you got, you got to kind of think that way. Let her see. Friendships are essential for spiritual growth. Can I say that people are not going to grow all by themselves? It's not going to happen. All right? Very, very, very seldom does someone just kind of just, man, they're just, they just, did, just, they just do it by themselves. A lot of times you're going to need somebody. You know, listen, Timothy needed a Paul. Paul needed a Barnabas. Listen, we're not going to just grow all by ourselves. David needed a Jonathan. I mean, we just need to help people in this area. Um, number three, the third principle. So we have the principle of ownership. Man, we've got to own these calls. And, and l- l- listen, how, how many of you want to reach people? With the gospel? You want to do that? If you're half dead, raise your hand anyway. Okay, that's time to raise your hand. All right? All right? You got your notes here. Okay? Listen. You already put somebody on there. That's good. You're listening. All right? I'm not going to name, name his name, okay? But what you ought to do is you, you could start putting names on here. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem. We get so spiritual that we don't have any lost friends. We don't know anybody that's lost. Hey, on purpose, you got to develop, get out in this community and get connected with people that are outside of the family of God. That's, somehow we got to make connections like that. Uh, this past year, my son-in-law said, hey, Pop, you want to you wanna play softball with us? I said, softball? I haven't played softball. Now, I'm, talking, I'm from Chicago, so softball for... Somebody from Chicago is 16-inch. The big, yes. I said, no gloves, no mats, little pff, pff, spit in your hand, and you catch it. And 16, he said, you want to play softball? Now, he's from Georgia. You know, it's a foreign country, okay? And uh, they play, you know, a little, you know, I call it kitten ball. That's what I call it. You know, a little ball with a glove, and you kind of play it. And uh, he says, yeah, he said, um, he's a, our, our deputies from our academy were putting a team together. He said, I want you to play. And I said, man, I don't know. And I said, okay, I'll play. I said, man, I haven't played in years. But you know the one reason why he wanted me to invite? He invited me and said, come play. Because he wanted me to start reaching out to his coworkers. So every, was it Tuesday night, we'd, we'd be playing. And so I'm rubbing shoulders with these, you know, you know 23, 24, 25-year-olds. You know, and I'm like the grandpa of the team. And, uh, but you know what? There's one reason I'm out there. Man, I, I want to reach these, you know, I call them cops. I want to reach these cops, man. I want to reach these cops for Christ. That's the only reason why I'm doing it. Man, I, my back hurts, my leg hurts, and, and uh, it, it, I'm getting too old for that. And, um, but you know what? I'm, I'm involved because I, I know, listen, I know 10 lost people. You got ownership, you can write them names down. Listen, here, 
I mean, what was that one gentleman that came to church, uh, Mike Christ, the one that's running for a city council? Mark? Marvin Christ. Our leadership meeting, pastor said, well, first of all, make sure that I got Marvin Christ on my sweetheart list. I'm going to reach out to him. He's not saved, and I want him. Not, not, here it is. Pastor Chapel said that. The president of West Coast Baptist Bible College. Author. Speaker. Church builder. You know what he said? I want to follow up on that man. That is real live ministry. You know what he's saying? Ownership. And I, I know this, if I know Pastor, he's already dictated a letter for my wife to write to him. He's probably already tried to set up a lunch appointment to meet with him. To hear this, to share Christ with him. Listen, that's when it becomes real. Amen. When we all say, you know what, I'm going to own this. So we need that ownership. And then there's partnership. We need to help others come alongside of us and help us. Number three is this, is fellowship. Okay, fellowship. That's a part of it. It's a part of it. Use your church calendar to your advantage. Um, listen, you, you're going to be here tomorrow. Right? You're, you're coming to church tomorrow. Just, just you maybe it's your neighbor. Invite your neighbor to come to the church with you and say, hey, afterwards we're going to go out and have a, have a meal together. Uh, we had a friend day. And, man, I was working. I, I was working hard. And I was trying to, and honestly, I don't, I don't think I had anybody committed to come to Friend Day. I didn't have any friends. That was a little bit hard for me because I have to, you know, I don't have coworkers that are lost. You know, I work at church. So, you know, there, there's, you know there's a few that I wonder if they are saved. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so I have, to, I have to, you know, get these lost cops that I'm playing baseball with or, or people out in the community. And, uh, man, I was working. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I was discouraged. And uh, it, was a, it was Saturday afternoon, it was about 4 or 5 o'clock, and my wife said, hey, we need to run to Walmart. And um, I said, okay. And, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I was, I was a little discouraged. So I'm thinking, man, I don't have a friend for friend day. And uh, we're walking in there, and all of a sudden, uh, we bumped shoulders with, with our neighbors. Now, we never see our neighbors. I mean, you, you don't understand this in California. You, you don't see your neighbors. You, you don't. They got these brick walls, and, and uh, it's almost like, taboo to look over into your neighbor's yard. You, you just don't see them. And normally, you just kind of wave to them. And that's about it. And uh, we bumped into our neighbors, and, and I said, oh, it's good to see you. Or Carlos, Carlos, good to see you. And, and, uh, and I said, Carlos, tomorrow's friend day. And I said, I don't have any friends. And, uh, and my wife, is, she's, she's laughing. I said, really, Carlos, will you come and bring your family and just be my friend? Oh, pastor, of course we'll come tomorrow. And I said, listen, now, he's a chef, and I said, afterwards, I'm going to serve you lunch. He said, no, no, no. I'm, he said, I want to have a barbecue for you. No, no. I said, no, this is not me now. We're going to have, I'm going to serve you lunch. And so we had pulled pork, uh, you know, sandwiches and stuff like that. And we're at the church in our, in, in our um, gazebo area. We're sitting there. And I started talking with Carlos. And, and, and I, I just knew how life is in California. It's busy. Commuters, they get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and they travel down to L.A. and you don't see them until, you know, maybe when they're pulling in at 7 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock at night. And I mean, it's, it's, that's how life is there. And I said, you know what? i got to witness to Carlos. So I'm talking to Carlos and, 
and big old Hispanic guy. And uh, Carl says, I said, Carl, don't you need to accept this truth? Man, tears going down his eyes. And big old guy. And he said, yeah, Pastor, I need, I need to accept Christ. Man, right there in the gazebo, we prayed, and he accepted Christ as his Savior. Amen. And I, I tell you what, I mean, to me, that made my friend day. I got a new friend. Amen. Carlos, my neighbor. And uh, but something that I, I had to work at. And it was the fellowship. Listen, hey, we're going to have a meal. Uh, I, I think of um, one of our, our public school teachers, um, uh, Jamal and Sarah White. They're both, they teach in, the, in our uh, high school system, in our public schools there in Lancaster. And I tell you what, um, they're, they're on fire for the Lord. I mean, they're on fire. And uh, they brought another uh, school teacher and her husband, and he's, uh, he's in the military at Edwards Air Force Base, and they came over, and, and uh, we said, listen, Sarah, you bring, you bring that couple. We'll have, have everybody over for lunch. And uh, my wife already led um, Brandy to the Lord. So Brandy got saved on a Tuesday night. We went, and we visited them, and my wife led her to the Lord. So she got saved. And, um, and so we, we had a witness to the husband. And so uh, we had all kind of set up. I said, we'll take the, you know, after dinner, I'll take, I'll take the men. We'll sit in the backyard. And, and Jamal and his two boys were running around the pool. And, and right when I started getting into the gospel, Jamal's kids fell into the pool. Now, it was cold. It was, it was like in November. The water was like freezing. And so he had to get, pull his kids out. And luckily, they didn't drown or anything. Um, he said, well, I got to go. The kids are all wet. <laughs> so, so he left, and, and there I was just sitting with uh, um, Brother uh, Castaldi, Mr. Castaldi. And uh, so I started sharing the gospel with him. And, uh, man, he got saved. Accepted Christ. And two weeks later, his whole family got saved. His kids and his wife was already saved um, previously just a couple weeks earlier, and they all got baptized. And, and listen. What we did was just have them over for lunch. Letter B, invite your prospects to your home. When you invite people to your home, they sense your personal interest in them. Um, you know, we, we say this, have an open heart and have an open home. Number four, discipleship. Discipleship. Once again, use the church calendar to your advantage. Uh, sit with people in church. I, I think... You know, a couple sitting together in church and maybe even going forward together, or maybe, you know, two guys or two ladies praying together. You're, you're discipling that whole process. Uh, discipleship, you know, disciples are not mass-produced, but they're handcrafted. Every service is a mentoring opportunity, all right? Um, I believe that every church ought to have some type of discipleship program. I, I believe with all my heart. And I, I know when I went to Bible college, that was like a bad word, discipleship. Um, you know, but I think it's, you know, they were called the 12 disciples. Uh, so I think it's something that we should do, uh, help people, and to have people get mentored and grow and get grounded so they understand what they believe. All right, so we're going to look at really just some, some strengths. What are some benefits of discipleship? Number one, discipleship protects the new believer from Satan. Okay, you know, Hosea chapter 4 says, you know, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. All right? And listen, we need to help people to get grounded in a truth so they understand what they believe. Number two, discipleship encourages the new believer. Man, listen, when you learn something, don't you get excited? 
I, aren't you encouraged? Man, I learned something. Uh, you know, Pastor Tice taught me how something to do from, uh, you know, how you could take a Word document and put them in quick office and then make some changes on there. I didn't know how to do all that stuff. I said, I can't wait. To, I, I learned something. I'm excited about that. And just think about when someone starts, you start teaching them the Bible and they start understanding spiritual truth and how their eyes are open and say, wow. And, man, that, that, that encourages them. Discipleship provides a new believer with a Christ-honoring friendship. Just think about that relationship that you're establishing there in discipleship is centered around the Word of God. Hey, I'm going to teach you today about prayer. We're going to talk about it. And boy, you, you, that whole conversation, you're talking about prayer. Maybe it's about confession. Maybe it's about humility. Maybe it's about giving. Maybe it's about stewardship. Maybe it's about witnessing. Um, man, you're building that whole relationship centered around the Word of God. Discipleship teaches the new believer godly habits. Discipleship gives the new believer loving and gentle correction. You know, you know our children need loving, gentle correction. Right? Because our kids, how many realize sometimes your kids are just prone to wander? Huh? They kind of get off track a little bit. You know, as a parent, you don't close your eyes to that, do you? No, you say, hey, kids, wait a second. You know, we're going to have a family meeting, and you talk about it, and you kind of get them back on track. Sometimes we have new believers, they start straying because, boy, that world's got a pull on them. Man, they're getting pulled. And, and if you don't notice that, and to kind of encourage them to get back on track and, and to stay focused and say, listen, you're going to have opposition, but realize this, greater is he that's within you than he that's in the world. Hey, we're victorious. We're on the winning side. The devil's not happy what's taking place in your life, but you're saved. The devil can't take that away, but he can discourage you. And boy, you, you know, you kind of start talking um, and helping that new believer to understand that, hey, listen, uh, you need to make sure that you're staying Say not, or you might say, hey, uh, you know, maybe you pull the husband aside and say, wow, I, I noticed how you were talking to your wife. Let me share with you a couple things about how a Christian husband should speak to his wife. Or a lady pulling the lady and saying, no, this is how you need to speak to your husband. Listen, remember, they're baby Christians. They, they might be in a 40-year-old body, but they're only a couple weeks old, spiritually. They need, some, listen, they need somebody to help them to grow. And boy, that disciple that has that connection with them, that, listen, they're going to receive that. Number six, Discipleship provides a safe place for new believers to ask questions. Hey, listen, in our day and time, okay, people have questions in the pew. New believers, they have questions. And listen, for whatever reason, they feel a little bit intimidated coming up to the pastor and asking the question. All right? It just feel now. Now some people are not, they're just kind of bold in their personality, and they'll come. Hey, you know, you talked about going, not going to the movies. Why can't I go to the movies? Let me go move my whole life. You a joy killer or what? Well, listen. Why don't we meet for coffee? 
on Monday night, and, and, and let me just share some biblical principles with you. And boy, the pastor will tell you. know what that guy would say? Wow, I never thought of that, pastor. That makes so much sense. And boy, you know, you, you're, you help them to understand. But here it is. If they don't have an avenue to ask questions, you know what's going to happen? They're going to leave. Because they think, you know what, I can't fit into this group. And the only reason why is that the only reason why they have those thoughts is because they don't they, they, they don't understand. And let's be honest, pride plays a role in this because they don't want to, you know, ask. Boy, they, that, that's that's where a wise discipler will maybe say, Well, Pastor, man, he preached a hot one this Sunday night. I'm going to make sure my disciple is okay. And then when you meet for discipleship, you know, don't make that your main point. But you may want to touch on that subject. Say, hey, wasn't that a great message Sunday night? Man, pastor was on fire. Man, I remember when I first heard a message about whatever, I remember how it almost choked me to death. But then... And I began to understand, really kind of reason it out. And boy, there's some biblical truth there. What do you think about the message Sunday? Man, I have to get rid of all my Elvis albums. <laughs> he did sing, How Great Thou Art. <laughs> if you love the Elvis, I'm not saying it. Go, just listen to him. Um, number six, number seven. Take, take, take that out of there, okay, because you said you could listen to this. So. Um, but listen, people have questions. People have questions. Number seven, discipleship increases the spiritual growth process. Man, I tell you what, it, it, it is so awesome when you see the light of understanding come on somebody. When it's, it's just like, wow, I understand that now. Understand that. So the fifth principle, I lied to you. I said four. We have five. We have ownership. We have partnership. We have fellowship. We have discipleship. And then we have number five, membership. Membership. Here's a thought, okay? Why should we expect our prospects to join if we haven't invested in them? If we haven't made any investments in there, you know, why should we expect them to join our church? Why should we expect them to be involved in our church? We have to be making those investments into their life. And once we start making those investments, they'll begin understanding what Christianity is all about. Christianity is not about giving. I'm sorry, it's not about getting, but it's about giving. That's what Christianity is all about. It's, about. it's about giving. Number two is this. Go the second mile in your outreach. Husbands and wives, I, I believe this is a joint effort, something you do together. Letter C. When you invite and invest, non-committed people become committed members. I think every pastor in this room we say, man, we would love to have 25 more committed members. 
I know Pastor Chapel would say, yes, we need 25 committed members. But listen, if we're not making investments into people's lives, they will not become committed members. So as we think about these principles, okay, remember we talked about ownership. Remember there's, there's owners or renters. Now some of you might be thinking, wow, I've kind of been leaning more towards, I wouldn't say it, I wouldn't say I'm a renter, but I, my actions pretty much described me as a renter. In other words, I would meet somebody out in the community, but I would have no follow-up. I wouldn't write down their name. I wouldn't pray for them. I wouldn't text them. I wouldn't invite them over. I wouldn't go that second mile. I was a little bit more of a renter. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you say, boy, I need to be a little bit more of an owner? And then we talk about partnership. Maybe, maybe your pastor, maybe another leader in your church is, is wanting you to team up and, and to help them to reach people. And maybe say, you know what, I, I need to be a, a better team player in that. I, I need to maybe step up to the plate and, and kind of get out of my comfort zone a little bit and, and kind of be stretched a little bit and realize that, listen, God can use you. God can use you. And listen, God wants to use you. And here it is. Are you willing? I mean, I know you're here, and I would think you're willing. Listen, God wants to use you. And I tell you what, that's what blew my mind as a teenager. Got some teenagers here. I am so excited you're here. That is awesome. Listen, when I realized that God wanted to use me, I'm telling you, it changed my whole paradigm on how I viewed Christianity. That God could use somebody like me. I didn't think he would use me to this point like this. I just thought maybe on a bus route or maybe helping with the teens or driving a bus. I thought those were kind of my limits. But I just kept on saying yes, yes, yes. And God just began opening more doors and doors and doors. Um, partnership. Fellowship. Fellowship with a purpose. Okay? And that's important. We could be pretty good fellowshippers, but our fellowship is not productive. Fellowship with a purpose. The purpose is what? Christ-likeness. Four is discipleship, and then, of course, membership. Um, let me say this. Um, I am not an expert. Okay? I'm not an expert in this area. Um, I'm thankful for the fruit that God has allowed me to see in my life, my ministry. Um, and I'll tell you what, here it is. We serve a great God. Amen. You might look at yourself the way I look at myself, and man, I don't have a lot to give to you. <laughs> Lord, man, I wish you would give me this or give me that talent, that ability, so that you can use me in a greater way. But listen, God can... Good. How about the little lad with a little lunch? I mean, he didn't have a lot to offer. But what he did have, he offered it to God. And then what did God do? He multiplied it. And can I say this? You give what you have to God. Say, Lord, here am I. Can I say this? You watch God then multiply what he can do through you. Pastor? If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. 
Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.